Okay, thank you so much for the very warm introduction. I'm very touched to see the rabbi after uh, we grew up together in the many years ago when I was a rabbi in Queens in the good old days. So it's always a pleasure to come back here. Thank you so much for hosting me. I had the great privilege of giving shurim in all simcha many years ago. My good friend Rabbi Gal used to arrange, I would speak here, Shavuos night, Hashana Rabbah night. Some of my best memories living in this neighborhood are coming here Shavuos night. I'll tell you, on one occasion, one of the early years that I spoke here Shavuos night, I came with a group. I used to be the rabbi in Torah Semes. You know where Torah Semes is? It's on uh, Union Turnpike, right off Union Turnpike, Parsons. and Parsons. So, right, right next to Yeshiva Tana. So I used to be the rabbi over there. And we had a group of guys. We walked here about 2 o'clock in the morning Shavuos night. And then I had one sadik of a guy who used to push on a wheelchair, a gentleman. He was a, you know, a big gentleman. And he used to wheel him from, and then he used to wheel him back. And we were on such a high after spending some uh, learning time here in Ola Simcha that I remember we used to go back to Torah Semes. The Hallel that we said in Torah Semes, that Shavuos night, I don't know if since the Beis HaMikdash stood... There was such an emotional halal. So I'm very happy to see such good friends. May the learning tonight be dedicated. Lila Nishmas, Chaya, Esther, Bas, Tamara, by my good friend Rav Shaul, Shaulab. And if you uh, like the haircut, then I, I thank Rav Shaul as well. Thank you very much. You know, the, that's one of the advantages of uh, being good friends with Rav Shaul. Okay. Marv Rav fasten your seatbelts. We're going to revolutionize our understanding of Shiva Asabatamas. I don't think most of us are looking forward to Shiva Asabatamas. I don't think, oh, Sunday, Shiva Asabatamas is coming. I can't wait. By the way, you know it's the longest fast of the year. It's longer than Tisha B'Av. It's longer than Yom Kippur, at least the daytime hours, because it's closest to the summer solstice of June 21st. So it's a long tightness. And... Uh, Many of us are looking forward until the end of the Tainus. But by the time this year is finished, hopefully we'll be looking forward to this day as a fast day as well. Let us examine a Mishnah Masech Tainus. The Mishnah says in Masech Tainus, on the Chavvav Amaralf, going on to Chavvav Amabez, five tragedies occurred on Shiva Asabatamas. Here we go. Tragedy number one. Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai and he took the Luchot and he smashed the luchos on Shavasa Batamas. Number two, the carbon tumid stopped being brought in the times of the temple. Now, which temple? You know what the carbon tumid is. Many of us say every morning the parshas hatamid, which is basically a recitation of the uh, the offering that they used to bring in the Beis Hamikdash. And by saying about the carbon, by talking about it, it's considered as if you actually brought it. However, when the temple stood, they would take a cow, and they would, uh, excuse me, they would take a sheep, they would slaughter the sheep every morning and every afternoon. The Tamit Shal Shachar, the Tamit Shal Ben Arabayim. And on the 17th day of Tammuz, the Gentiles came in, and they stopped the bringing of the carbon Tamid. When? When did this happen? So I'm sure you remember the Talmud Yushalmi. It looks like many of you are very familiar with the entire Talmud Yushalmi, right? Probably. And Rib Shimon says the Greeks in the times of the Second Temple abolished the offering of the Karben Tamid. Rabbi Levi says, no, it was the Romans in the time of the Second Temple. 
The Rambam says, no, it was the Babylonians in the times of the first base Samik there. So there are various opinions. When the Karbin Tamid was abolished, during what era? Then the Mishnah says a third tragedy. Hufka Ha'ir, the walls of Jerusalem were breached. You know Jerusalem? You know that city? You know, we're in Israel. You know Israel, the country? It's not in America. You know that? Israel is different than America. It's a different country. Now you can't go there anymore. Starting today, you can't go there. They closed it up again. Anyway, I'm giving you travel advice. Okay, if you want, you can come with me next weekend. We're going to visit uh, Kivrei Tzadikim. But Israel, they're locking it up again. Israel's capital is Yushalayim. I'm joking with you. You're looking at me, what's this guy talking about? Right? Yushalayim is the capital of, and there was a wall around Yushalayim, and they breached the walls of Jerusalem on the 17th day of Tammuz in the times of the second temple. In the times of the first temple, when did they breach the walls of Yushalayim? It's a dispute between the Bavli and the Yushalmi. The Yushalmi says they breached it on the 17th of Tammuz. The Bavli says they breached it on the 9th. Question is, Toysus happens to raise a question, that if you look in the Navi, in the Prophet, the Prophet says, the Prophet Jeremiah, the Prophet Yermiel says, in times of the first temple, they breached the walls on the 9th. So, the question is, according to the Yushalmi, they breached it on the 17th. So how do you reconcile what the Yushalmi says with what the Pasuk says? And Toysa says as follows. They breached it, in fact, on the 17th. However, the Navi purposely wrote the wrong date. Why? Because it was such a confusing time. It was so, there was such unclarity. They were, they were so discombobulated. They were so confused and foggy that to preserve the unclarity of the time, the Navi recorded the wrong date. Okay, so they breached the walls of the temple. And then Apostomos burnt a Torah. Apostomos burnt a Torah. When did he burn the Torah? In the times of the second temple, in times of the Greeks. Rashi says, no. Rashi says it was in the times, it was earlier. Um, by the way, which Sefer Torah was burnt? The some hold the Tzfaris Yisrael writes, all the Sifre Torah were attempted to be burnt. Others say it was the authoritative Sefer Torah of Ezra. And then, the Mishnah finally says, Hamad Selem Behechal. They erected an idol in the temple. When did they do that? Some say Apostomus did it. Rashi says Menashe did it. When did Menashe live? In the times of the first temple. So basically, we have a Mishnah. And the Mishnah says, a random collection of five tragedies occurred on the 17th day of Tammuz. What were they? The luchos were broken, the carbon tumid stopped being brought according to most in the times of the second temple, the city walls were breached in the times of the second temple, they burnt the Sefer Torah, and then they put up an idol in the Heichal, and according to many, the idol was put up by Menashe in the times of the first temple. So it seems to be a random collection of different tragedies, and the Mishnah is not even listing them in the order that they happen. It's not even in chronological order. Why would the Mishnah not list these tragedies in chronological order? And was it just a coincidence that these five random tragedies in different eras of time happened on Shiva Asabatamas? Is there any common theme to these 17 
to these five tragedies that they all happened on this particular day. To try to answer some of these questions, we have to go to this week's parsha. What's this week's parsha? Balak. Balak. And Balak hires this guy, this sorcerer. His name is Bilam. Bilam might have been a descendant of Lavan Ha'arami. Some say he was the Gilgal of Lavan Ha'arami. Some say he was Lavan Ha'arami. And he's trying to curse the Jewish people. So the Pasuk says, Vayar Bilam, Bilam saw, if you look at number two, Kitoi ve'enei Hashem levarches Yisrael, that God only wanted him to bless the Jewish people. V'loi holach kefam bifam likras nechashim. So Bilam did not want to use sorcery, so what did he do? Vayashas el hamidbar panav. He directed his focus and his gaze toward the desert. He figures if he looks at the desert, he'll be able to curse the Jewish people. What exactly was Bilam looking at when he was looking at the desert? Says Targum Unklus. Take a look at number three. You know, you know Targum Unklus on the side of the Psukim. You have a Targum which was not written by Unklus. You know, it was not written by Unklus. Unklus received a tradition from Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Yeshua of this translation, which was given on Harsinai. By the way, you know, there's a debate in Halacha. Is it better to learn the Parsha with Rashi? Or is it better to learn the Parsha with Unklus? Many poskim say the advantage that Unklus has over Rashi is that Unklus was given on Harsinai. So why is it called Targum Unklus? Unklus did not reveal it. He didn't teach it. He he disseminated it based on what he learned from Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Yeshua. And Targum Unkla says, what does it mean that Bilam looked at the desert? Targum Unkla says, the Shavi la Kavel Egla da Avadu Yisrael b'Madbara, that Bilam looked at the Egel that the Jewish people worshipped in the Midbar. So he was sort of gazing prophetically with Nevuah, with prophecy, at this terrible sin that the Jewish people worshipped in the Midbar. And he figured if he really hones in and focuses on the Egel, he'll be able to attack them from that vantage point. That's very interesting. Bilaam had a fixation with the Egel. What was Bilaam's fixation with the Egel? Why was he so interested in the Egel? Who made the Egel? So I want to tell you an amazing Arizal. The Arizal says Bilaam had two boys. Did you know that? Bilaam had two kids. The Targum Unkla says that when Bilaam was going to curse the Klal Yisrael, he took Shnein Arav Ima, his two sons with him. Who were the two sons of Bilaam? Yunus and Yumbros. Those were his two sons. Okay, that was the name he gave him, Yunus and Yumbros. And you can imagine the apple doesn't fall, fall far from the tree. These guys were not big tzaddikim, right? They weren't coming to Mishmar Thursday nights. These guys were, I don't know, a few blocks down doing I can't say what. Okay, these were big Rishai. They were the, the sons of Bilam. Says the Arizal, they snuck into the Midbar and they were the ones who built the Egel. They made the Egel. Ooh, now we know why Bilam was so interested in the Egel. He was shepping Nachas from his uh, children. He was really beaming from the big Avera that his children did that they were the ones who made the Egel. Now, how they infiltrated the Midbar and how they were able to make the Egel, we don't have any information on. But one thing that Rizal reveals to us, the sons of Bilam, they were the ones who made the Egel. Please take a look at number four. 
Okay, it's a pasuk in Tehillim. The verse says, "Vayamiru es kevodam betavnit shor ochel esav." Okay, you know what that pasuk means. Vayamiru, the Jewish people exchanged es kevodam, their honor, their glory. Who's the glory of the Jewish people? God. They exchanged God. Betavnis shor in the image of an ox. Oichel esav that eats grass. What is this pasuk talking about? Sin of the golden calf. We exchanged God for a cow. That's what it says. Vayamiru es kavodam. We exchanged our glory. Betavnis shor in the image of an ox. Ochel esav that ate grass. Anybody have any questions on this pasuk? Are there any extra words in this pasuk? The pasuk says they exchanged God for the image of an ox that eats grass. No, the first thing is when it eats grass. What does that mean even? Gold doesn't eat grass. How do you know? You have gold? You don't have gold. Maybe it eats grass. Right, so he happens to be right. Gold doesn't eat grass. But are there any extra words? Why is the Pasuk telling me that what the cow ate? Do you think I care what the cow ate? Let's say the cow ate kishka. So then it would be a different avera. What, what do you guys eat on Shabbat? Kibbeh? What do you guys eat? Huh? Nothing. You don't eat food. You ate so much Thursday night that there's no room Shabbat. Bach. Let's say it's said, then, then it would have been a different Avera. Ochel sushi. Why do I need to know what the calf ate? What difference does it make? It should say, Vayamiru es kevodam betavnit shor ochel esev. Why is the Pasuk saying? Why is King David recording for posterity that the calf ate grass? Comes the Arizal, and the Arizal says an amazing revelation. You ready for this? What day did Moshe Rabbeinu come down and witness the sin of the golden calf? We know that Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Harsinai on Vav Sivan on, on Shavuot. He came down 40 days later and God said, you're not going to be happy with what you see. Moshe, what's going on? God says, they're, 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 they, they, they don't need you anymore. They made a calf. Moshe says, nah, I, let me see for myself. Moshe comes down on the 17th day of Tammuz, and he witnesses the Jewish people worshipping the golden calf, and Moshe takes the luchas, and he shatters the luchas on Shiva Asar Tammuz. says the Arizal, Asev, grass, doesn't mean grass, we don't care what the cow ate, Asev is a Rashi Tevot, it's a mnemonic, Shiva Asar Tammuz. the word Asev spells out, Asar, Shiva Tammuz. The Pasuk is not saying what the cow ate. The Pasuk is saying when they made the cow. The cow was made on Shiva Asar Betamos. Betavnis Shor Oichel Esav. By the way, think about, let's make an analogy now. When God gave us the Torah, He was marrying us. You know that, that the Torah, we're married to God through the Torah. God is the groom. We are the we're the bride, we're the kala. The Torah is like the ketubah. God married us on Har Sinai. We say, what was the chupah? He held the mountain over our head. Shotgun married, yeah? That's, he forced, he, he held the mountain over our head 
He forced us to marry him. You know why he forced us to marry him? The Maharal writes, because if you're ma'anes a woman, if you coerce a woman, you're never allowed to divorce her. So God coerced us so he could never get rid of us. That's what the Maharal writes. Okay? Now the chuppah, by the way, did you ever realize that at a chuppah, the, the, the parents of the, the chatan v'kala, they're walking down with torches. Why are they walking down with torches? To remember Kabbalah Torah. Because that was the original marriage. That was the first marriage. You ever, in a, at a marriage, the Masader Kedushim says, Al ho'arayot ve'asar lanu as'arusot ve'hitir lanu as'anusuot lanu al yidei chupa v'kidushin. Chupa v'kidushin. It's out of order. It's out of order. It's backward. First you do kidushin, then chupa. No. When God married us, first he held the mountain overhead chupa, and then he gave us the Torah kidushin. So since God did it, did it backward, we do it forward, but we make the bracha backward like God did. By the way, why do you, you know, at every chasno, you break the glass. Why? Oh, to remember the Beit Mikdash. That's what they told you, right? And you went for it. That to remember the Beit Mikdash. That's one of the reasons. And then you could sing, sing, right? You could sing very nice songs. No, that's not the real reason. Because every chatuna is reminiscent of the original chatuna. And at the original chatuna, the Torah was broken. So to remember, we break a glass under the chupas, says the marshal and the yamshel shlomo. We're going to visit him next week in, in Lublin, if you want to come with us. The, the yamshel shlomo is buried in Lublin. So here God was marrying us. And what were we busy doing? You know what the most despicable thing a kala could do at her chupah? Imagine if at the chuppah, the husband, the guy's waiting for her, and she's being mezana. That's not a good thing. That's what we were doing. God was waiting to marry us, and we were busy off. We went off with the cow. We were serving the egal. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu came, and he gave us to drink from, he smashed up the egal, and he gave us to drink. Rashi says he was checking us like a sota. He was checking us like a sota. We were a sota. We were Asia. We were Asiasish. We were married to God. We were married to God, and we were like mezanna with the ego. That's Rashi. Ooh. So there's a pasuk in Shir Hashirim. You guys know Shir Hashirim. Ashkenazim. We do it once a year. You guys do it every week, right? You know this pasuk. Ad shehamelech near You know that pasuk. Ad shehamelech While the king was at the party. Near the Nasan Recho, we gave off a foul smell. Says the Gemara in Gitin. What, what does this refer to? Who's the king? God. What was the party? His marriage. What was the foul smell? We were serving the Egel. We, were, we stunk, the Gemara says. Imagine at the Chuppah, we were busy with the cow. Says the Rokeach, one of the great masters of the secrets of the Torah. Ad Shehamelech Bimisibo. Rashi Tevot, Asev, grass. Why grass? Because that's the date that we gave off a bad smell. Asev, Asar, Shiva, Vitamuz. Now, there was a great rabbi. His name was Rabbi Yaakov Etlinger, rabbi of the 19th century. And Rabbi Yaakov Etlinger was born in 1798. He was nifter in 1871. He was a student of Rabbi Avram Bing, and amazingly, he was a great matmid. 
he was one of the first Rabbanim, the first Afronim, he actually had a degree um, from university. But he was one of the great old-time Sadiqim. He would learn every night until 2 a.m. And already 5 a.m. in the morning, he was wearing talis and tefillin, and he was learning bi'ion. Unbelievable. The Aruch Laner of Yaakov Ellinger wrote a sefer on Chumash called Minchat Ani. The Minchat Ani reveals to us that this Mishnah that says that five tragedies that happened on Shiva Asapatamas, and we ask, they're random, they're out of order, they're not in chronological order, they didn't happen in the same era. No, 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 no. Says the Aruch Laner, these are not a collection of five random tragedies that they broke, Moshe broke the Luchos, and the carbon tumid stopped being brought, and the walls of the city were breached, and Apostomus burnt the Torah, and they put a selim in the Heichal. No, 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 no. This is the five-pronged downward spiral in Jewish history. In other words, we all know the state of American Jewry today is Bichorban. You know that. Even though Ohel Simcha, it's a beautiful yeshiva, they have learning Every day, they have Tfilot, Queens, Brooklyn, Muncie. And we think Torah is alive and well in the Jewish people. Am Yisrael Chai. Unfortunately, the state of the Jewish people today is very much Bechorban. Seven out of every ten weddings that occur when a, for a Jewish Kala is to a non-Jewish Chatan. You know that? Seven, the intermarriage rate in the United States of America today is more than 70%. But all of these 70% of people who are in there, their great-grandfather in Europe or in the old country were big rabbis with long beards, some of them with long payas and long coats. And how is it that in five generations they don't even know Avraham Avinu, they don't know Shema Yisrael, and they don't even know Avinu Shabbat Shemayim. How's that possible? You have kids in Israel today, Jewish children, Jewish father, Jewish mother. They don't know the difference between Abraham Avinu and George Washington. They don't know who's who. George Washington, they think, is Jewish. He, he was in the Toro Synagogue in Rhode Island. They don't even know who Abraham Avinu is. How's that possible? Says the Arach Laner, this Mishnah is giving us a step-by-step approach, historical approach, of what happens to Jews. How is it that a great-great-grandson is completely alienated from Judaism when the great-great-grandfather was a big tzaddik? And the answer is it happens in five steps. Step number one is the luchot are broken. The luchot are broken. Yeah, of course, I daven with a minyan three times a day, no question. I never miss a minyan. I come early, I say pitam haktorat from a klaf, and I stay late, and I say tehillim. But there's no time to learn. There's no time for shiurim. There's no time for gemara. There's no time to learn. The first thing that goes are the Talmud Torah, learning. I don't have time to learn. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to sway, and I'm going to do mitzvot, and I'm going to take lulav and esrog, and I'm going to sit in a sukkah, but I don't have, there's no time to learn. The first step of Jewish disaster is, batel is nishtabru haluchot. The luchot are broken. We start slackening off in limanat Torah. Ooh, you know what happens after that? Says the Mishnah, after that, batel hatamid. 
Batar HaTamed refers to the everyday service of Hashem. First, what happens is, once in a while, you know, Mincha with the Minyan, it's so hard to dive in Mincha with the Minyan, it's the middle of the day, it's the middle of work, there are no Minyanim, hey pal, there are no Minyanim, there are 50 Minyanim on your block every three minutes. Every two minutes is another Minyan. I can't dive Mincha with the Minyan, then I can't dive in Mariv with the Minyan because it's very late at night, and I'm tired, and I spent the whole day in the office, and I'm just going to dive in Mariv in uh, my bedroom while I'm mostly sleeping. And then sometimes maybe Tuesday Shacharit and Wednesday Shacharit. You know, it's, there's no Kriyat HaTorah, so I'll let Tuesday Wednesday Shacharit go. Uh, if, I, if I'm not going Tuesday Wednesday, then I don't have to go Sunday. And then sometimes even Monday and Thursday, but of course I go Shabbat. But Mincha Shabbat, maybe once in a while I don't have to go Mincha Shabbat. If I don't go Mincha Shabbat, maybe Friday night I don't have to go. And then what do you think their children are going to say? If I don't go Mincha and my dad doesn't go Kabbalah Shabbat, then Shabbos morning I go always, I go every Shabbat Mivarchim, I go to Shabbos Shachlis. And then of course I go to Shabbos Shachlis when Shabbos is Rosh Chodesh. And then I don't miss any Yomim Tovim. Maybe at night I miss, but I definitely don't miss Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. I don't miss Yom I won't. I won't miss Tkiyat Shofar, Ne'ilah. And then slowly, 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 the tefillot start withering away. And this Jew is now Batel HaTamid. The every regular service has been, become Batel. Until Huvka Ahair, the city is breached. Shalom HaMelech compares the Jew to a city. And we have a wall around it. You know what the wall is? Our shiurim. Our tefillot. And as soon as the shiurim stop, and the tefillot stop, then we are open prey to the Yetzir Hara, and the Yetzir Hara comes in, and he burns down the Torah. And the next thing you know, the grandson at least has the Star of David hanging around his neck. The great-grandson, Hamed Tselem Behechal, he has a different icon hanging around his neck. And you know where it started from? The great-grandfather slackened a little bit in Torah. And when the Torah starts to go, the tefillah starts to go. And when the tefillah starts to go, you're dead meat. That's the five-step downward progression of the three weeks. If you want to know, why don't we have a Beit HaMikdash? If you want to know why we have three weeks of tragedy, it starts... By slackening off in Torah. Now, how do you slacken off in Torah? It starts like this. I have to keep my phone on during the shiur. Obviously, because who knows who could call me? Maybe Bibi Netanyahu is going to call me on the phone. Or Trump is going to message me. Or Biden is going to ask me a very important Shiloh, like, like what today is or something like that. Right? And... I mean, he's going to ask you know, some security questions. So the first thing is you leave the, the phone on. Maybe my wife's going to need you, me. When your wife's going to need you. You were home for three hours, and every time she asked you to do something, you ignored her. No, but during the shiur, I have to be ready to help my wife in case she needs me. All of a sudden, you're big side the Gemara of shiur. Then, so basically, you know, the Gemara says that the Torah is a big weapon against the Yitzhahara. So how come, here it is, we learn so much Torah, and... Uh, 
the Yitzhahar has a field day with us. Why? Why doesn't the Torah, why isn't it a good medication? The answer is, because we don't take the medicine. Because instead of coming to a shiur for an hour and learning an hour straight, we learn 30 seconds, and then a WhatsApp, and then 10 seconds, and then a text, and then 15 seconds, and then an email, and then 10 seconds, and a notification. So we never learned more than a minute straight, and that's not really Torah. That's like, you know, water down minor leagues. That's minor league Torah. You want a major league Torah, you got to learn uninterrupted. That's the first step. First step. The first step of Judaism is Torah, but it has to be real Torah. It can't be fake Torah. Well, you're here anyway, so you might as well... You're not helping your wife at home, so why should you help her while you're in the Beis HaMadrash? It's interesting. I want to tell you something. Rabbi Akiva... Rabbi Akiva was an unlearned guy. He was Amaretz. He, he didn't know any. He didn't know Torah, and he went off to learn and he became a big rabbi. After twelve years, he uh, came back and he overheard somebody saying to his wife, "Dear, you're out of your mind. You let your husband go and learn for twelve years. He missed your son's bar mitzvah. You go by yourself to PTA. You make cho- um, you make box every Shabbos and nobody eats it, right?" So what, what, what kind of husband do you have? It's a ridiculous situation. So she said, if he would listen to me, he would learn another 12 years. And Rabbi Kiva overheard that, and he ran straight back to the Beit HaMedrash for another 12 years. So how long did he learn? 24 years. So Rabbi Chaim Shmulevitz asked the following question. If Rabbi Kiva was a good husband, don't you think it would have been nice of him to say to her, Hi, honey, how you doing? Thank you so much for letting me learn for 12 years. I really appreciate it. I don't know how to repay you. I'll, I'll be, when I come back after 12 years, I'll really be the best husband in the world. You, you deserve a medal. What does he say to her after 12 years? Does he say thank you? Does he say anything? Does he say, how was our son's bar mitzvah yesterday? How are the kids doing in school? He doesn't say boo. He heads right back to the Beis HaMedrash. He doesn't even say hello. Why? So famously, Reb Chaim Shmulevit says, because he just learned 12 years. If he's going to say hello to his wife, then he ha- he's going to have learned 12 years, and then another 12 years. However, if he heads straight back to the Beis HaMedrash, he's going to have learned 24 consecutive years. And when it comes to learning... The main benefit of learning is consecutive learning. And 12 years plus 12 does not equal 24. And I say if 12 years and 12 years doesn't equal 24, then 10 seconds and 30 seconds and 45 seconds is uh, not, not as valuable, to put it the least, to, put it, to say the least, as the learning could be. So the first thing you need to do is you need to tell the Yitzhahara, I came to this base marriage to learn. Whether I'm here 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, the best thing is leave the phone outside. Don't even bring it in. What do you need it for? If the phone, a lot of people say it's on vibrate. No kidding, yeah, it's on vibrate. You're, you're, um, the whole shiur, you're imagining that you're vibrating, you know? After, even if you don't look at it, you think you got like 70 calls and after the shiur, you see only one person called you and it was a telemarketer who is, you know, who wants your money. So the best thing is leave it out, or it should not be on. Then now we're now we're in business. Now we're talking. Now you can fight the Yitzhahara. That is step number one. But as soon as the learning goes, the tefillah suffers 
the city is, the city is breached, the Torah is burnt, and the religion is changed. Now, I want to share with you an amazing thing. This all means that the whole Chorban Beit HaMikdash was precipitated by slackening off in Limo Torah, the breaking of the Luchot. The breaking of Luchot happened on Shabbat Sabbat <coughs> By the way, Rav Nachman of Breslov writes, what month were the Luchos broken in? Chodesh? Tammuz. Tammuz stands for Zichru Torat Moshe. Remember the Torah. You know why Tammuz stands for Zichru Torat Moshe? Remember the Torah? Because the Gemara tells us when Moshe broke the Luchot, all of a sudden we started forgetting Torah. Had Moshe not broke the Luchot, there would have been no such thing as forgetting. The phenomenon of forgetting Torah did not exist in the world until Moshe broke the Luchot. As soon as Moshe broke the Luchot, Torah flies out of our heads. So therefore, Chodesh Tammuz is the month. Zichru Torah Moshe. We have to rectify what we did in Chodesh Tammuz. You know what else Tammuz stands for? Tammuz stands for Zeman Matan Torah It's the time of the giving of our Torah. What are you talking about? Zeman Matan Torah This is not the time of the giving of Torah. The Torah was given on Shavuot in Sivan. No, no, no. Says Rav Nachman, Moshe got the Torah in Sivan. But he came down to bring it to us on Shiva Asar B'Tamuz. So this is the month of Zichru Torah Moshe and Zman Matan Torah So you say, what happened to the Vav of Tamuz? Where did the Vav, what does the Vav stand for? Who is the Vav? What, is, what number is Vav? Six. How big were the Luchot? Six by six. But Moshe broke the Vav. He broke the six. So that's how we don't have to deal with the Vav in the word Tamuz. Because it was broken. Yeah? Now, now that it's 10.15 at night, okay, and I'm not going to go more than another three hours, just joking, you wouldn't know because now you all turned off your phones, you don't even know what time it is. How many hours are in the three weeks? How many hours in the three weeks? Let's start with this. How many days in the three weeks? Say, ah, oh, three weeks of 21 days. The thing is, it's a misnomer. There aren't, it's not three weeks. Because Shiva Sabatam is a Sunday, and Tisha B'Av is Sunday. So how many days is that? 21. 21? You'll be my accountant, okay? <laughs> how many, Sunday to Sunday is 22 days, right? Sunday to Sunday. If you count... Sunday to Shabbat is seven days. To Sunday to Sunday is twenty. There are twenty-two days in the three weeks. How many hours in the Ben Hamisarim? Twenty-two times twenty-four. How many is that? Five twenty-eight. Very good. Five hundred twenty-eight. Five hundred twenty-eight is a numerical value of Mafteach Ki, the great Rabbi, the Bnei Yisachar. We're going to visit his grave next week. You're welcome to join us. The Bnei Yisachar, he tells us, 528 is the Gematria Mafteach. What does Mafteach mean? Key. Because the key to Geula is another important thing, that's 528. How many parakim, how many chapters in the Torah, in the Shishay Sidre Mishnah? 528 chapters in Shishay Sidre Mishnah corresponding to the 520 hours of 
the three weeks. Because what caused the three weeks? What caused the Chorban? Nishtabru haluchot. The Torah was broken. How are we going to rectify that? How are we going to strengthen ourselves? The key to Geula are the 528 hours of the three weeks corresponding to the 528 Prakim of Shas of Mishnayot. Now, there are 528 Prakim in the Mishnah. Five of them are not really Mishnah. They're like Tosefta or Brisa. What are they? The final chapter of Perkei Avot is not really Mishnah. It's a Brisa. You have a parak in Bikurim. You have a parak in Psachim. You have Sota. You have Bikurim, Avot, Psachim, Kiddushin, and Sota. Five of the two, 528 parakim are not Mishnah, they're Brisa. And five of the hours of the three weeks are not that tragic because the last five hours of Tisha B'Av already, Mashiach was born. So the first 523 hours of the three weeks corresponds to the first, for the 523 Prakim of Shas. The last five hours of Tisha B'Av correspond to the five Prakim that are not Mishnah, they're Brisa. Because the key to Geula is strengthening in Limo Torah. And that's what we're doing tonight. We're strengthening ourselves in Lima Torah. But as we mentioned, strengthening doesn't just mean to be in a room. It means to try to remove all distraction. Even if, let's say, it's only 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, at the time of the Torah, you want to be completely focused. This week's Haftorah. You know what this week's Haftorah is? The Haftorah of Parshat Balak. You take a look at number 16. It will be the remnant of Yaakov. Who's the remnant of Yaakov? That's us. We're the remnant of Yaakov. Among many nations. The dew is going to come down from God. Like the rain. The Mayim is going to come down. What is Mayim compared? Mayim Ela? Torah. When we learn the Torah, it's going to be Alei Esav. It's going to take the day Esav. What's the day Esav? Shiva Asar Betamos. Every year we lay in the Torah before Shiva Asar Betamos. It's not a coincidence. It's teaching us that when we strengthen ourselves in Mayim, in Torah, it's going to transform Shiva Asar Betamos into a holiday, into a Yom Tov. Now let me tell you something. When Aaron HaKohen was involved in making the Egel, and the people said, what's going on? What's happening over here? What did Aaron say? Chag Lashem Machar. Tomorrow is going to be a holiday. What did Aaron mean? Tomorrow is going to be a holiday. Tomorrow is going to be a fast day. The 17th of Thomas is a fast day. Why did Aaron say tomorrow is going to be a holiday? You know, in the Torah, the word Machar, tomorrow, sometimes means in the way off future. What Aaron HaKohen meant is, Guys, I know tomorrow we're going to make the golden calf, but machar in the future, it, in the times of Mashiach, the Navi Zechariah says, Som Haravi, the fast of the fourth month. What's the fast of the fourth month? Shiva Asabatamos, Nisani Tamos. Som Hachamishi, the fast of the fifth month. That's Tisha B'Av. Som Hashavi, the fast of the seventh month. What's that? Som Gedalia. 
and the fast of the tenth month, you know Rebbe, you know Rebbe, you know who Rebbe was? Rebbe Yudha Hanasi. He had a very interesting practice on Shiva Asabatamas. He would go into a spa, into a bath, and he would bathe on Shiva Asabatamas. That doesn't sound like a, a good thing to do on a fast day, whether you're allowed to, you're not allowed to. Doesn't think, you know what else Rebbe wanted to do? Rebbe wanted to abolish Tisha B'Av. So Gemara says, he wanted to abolish Tisha B'Av, but the rabbis didn't let him. But what did Rebbe want to do? So the Gemara says, it's talking about a situation where Tisha B'Av came out on Shabbat, and anyway, you're going to push it off to Sunday. So Rebbe said, once you're pushing it off to Sunday, let's get rid of it entirely. Why was Rebbe so interested in like being mevatel these ta'anesim? I'll tell you something very amazing. All of these ta'anesim, even though they're tragic days, they have in them seeds of ge'ula. All of the redemption of the Jewish people is latent in these fast days. Let's give an example. Tisha B'Av is the day of tragedy, but who's born on Tisha B'Av? Mashiach. If Mashiach is born on the ninth of Av, then Mashiach is conceived how many months earlier? Seven months earlier. That's the least it could be. So what's seven months before Tisha B'Av? Asara B'Tevet. Rabbi Yonis and Ibishitz writes, Mashiach is conceived on the 10th day of Teves. So he's conceived on Asara B'Teves. He's born on Tisha B'Av. Do you know who else was conceived on Shiva Asara B'Tamuz? Oved, the son of Boaz. Boaz lived with Rus the night of Shiva Asara B'Tamuz. And Oved, the grandfather of David, was conceived on Shiva Asara B'Tamuz. So these fast days, even though they're tragic, have in them the seeds of the redemption of the Jewish people. And that is why these days, even though we're very saddened and we mourn the tragedies, but we're also very hopeful because these days have in them the koach and the latent energy and potential to bring the redemption of the Jewish people. Asar B'teves is the conception of Mashiach. Tisha B'av is the birth of Mashiach. Shavasar B'tamos was the conception of Oved. So Rebbe wanted, you know why Rebbe wanted to abolish Tisha B'av? Who does Rebbe come from? The Gemara says Rebbe came from King David. Rebbe sensed in his soul that since the redemption is latent in Tisha B'av, he already felt the simcha of these fast days. So Rebbe tried to abolish Tisha B'av. Rebbe bathed on Shabbat If we are mechazek ourselves, if we strengthen ourselves, first, primarily, the limud Torah, Especially at this time of the year. You know, we read in Eicha, Kol Rodfeha Hisiguha Bein HaMetzarim. Literally it means, anytime the Gentiles pursue us, they always catch us during these three weeks. All Jewish tragedy happens during these three weeks. But another meaning is, Kol Rodfeha, anyone who runs after God, Rodfeha, anyone who runs after God, Hisiguha will achieve closeness to Hashem, Bein HaMetzarim, specifically during this time of the year. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu should strengthen all of us in the merit of us coming together this evening. I'm going to share with you one gematria, an amazing gematria. The Pasuk says, Sion, Vimishpat, Tipadeh. 
Vishaveha Bitsudaka. Sion will be redeemed with Mishpat, and her captives will be redeemed with charity. Rabbi Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld says, the Gematria of Tzion b'mishpat tipadeh is Talmud Yerushalmi. V'shaveha b'tzedaka is Gematria Talmud Bavli. That's what it's going to take. Our commitment to Lima Torah with focus, with amelut, with energy, with dedication. The 528 hours of the three weeks correspond to the 528 hours of Prakim of Shas. May the Almighty strengthen all of us that we should reverse the cycle of destruction. We re-remove the Tzelem Behechal and we fix the Torah and we fix the walls and all it's going to take is if we make sure that this time around the Luchos are not broken, then we reverse the cycle and we will merit conception of Mashiach, the birth of Mashiach. Shayavai b'mher v'yaminu. Amen. Thank you very much.